Oh, bloody marvelous. Bird like. Weekly. Yes, hello and welcome to a very special edition of uh, Birdlike Weekly, uh, joined remotely this week by um, my good friend, my friend with his AirPods in his ears. TK, how are you, my friend? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm uh, I'm energised. I've just had a big bowl of uh, ham and lentil soup. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling zen. Was this the soup made from scratch with um, from scratch chicken stock? Yes, yes, it was actually. Yeah, mm. from the frozen chicken stock. Yeah, it's. Oh, no, well, no, actually, no, 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 no. Chicken no, stock was, from the roast chicken stock. you made. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. new stock, yeah. yeah. And for anyone listening, if you wanted a, if you wanted an indication of just how alpha I am, um, I refuse to use pre cut chicken, TK. Uh, I will only butcher whole chickens. Um, and not only is that something that I do to display my, my skills with knife in hand, but it's also something that I do to um, make a comment on, you know, frugality, TK. I mean, a, a $6 organic free-range chook um, butchered down into two two legs, two thighs, two breasts, two wings, plus well, a carcass for stock? Come on. You can make a chicken go a long way is what you're saying. I mean, you can make a chicken go a long way if it's alive, obviously, Um because of eggs and I assume some sort of organized chicken racing system, but also if it's dead, um, I, I think a lot of people make the assumption that once a chicken's dead, it's, it's done all the going it's going to do. Um, and that's just not correct. Okay. No, it's not because, because then we move into the, um, the culinary purpose of the chicken, you know, not the living purpose. So for us, it's, it's, um, all right, what can we get out of the physical body of this chicken? Now, some people prefer bits of the chicken over other bits of the chicken. Well, I mean, talking about how far a chicken can go when it's dead depends on the size, I suppose. Some chickens are, are whoppers. Some chickens are really big. Some chickens are, you know, reasonably small. The one you made the other day, it wasn't a big chicken. It wasn't a big chook. Let's be completely no. fair and let's be honest about the chook. It wasn't a big chook. And yet no, here we are. It up. Here you are a week later still eating said chook or some part of it in, in the form of a chicken-based um, ham and lentil soup. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, I do think that the pre the pre cut and skinned little cubes of chicken breast that people buy, they were invented for the lazy and unskilled among us. TK, they were they were not to be you know again not to speak from my mountain of culinary wizardry, but they were invented for the professional bodybuilder who learnt to yeah. cook watching you know. Muscle Foods YouTube channel and and thinks that the only way they can cook is if they sear off cubes of dry chicken breast in a pan and have that with beans and rice. There are other ways to eat. They're for the uncreative of us. They are for the uncreative, TK. They're for those who eat for function and not for fashion. Those who eat for, yeah, purely energy. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I mean, they exist. I'm not going to pretend that they don't exist. Um, But do I respect them? I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of food, TK, it feels like a natural segue to sort of bring up the fact that, um, yes, I am in hotel quarantine, hence the fact that, hence the reason why, despite the fact that we are uh, um, brethren, to use the Shakespearean term, um, mm-hmm. and traditionally members of one residence, we are uh, apart. I'm in a I'm in a hotel somewhere I won't say, uh, an establishment I won't say, and that's that's for security reasons, obviously, TK. <clears throat> 
Yeah, um, so you don't get hunted down and molested. Well, which can happen. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of hunting, molesting kind of people out there who like to do the two in combination, almost exclusively. Um, and I'd yeah. like to protect myself against that. But um, a couple of myths I want to dispel about hotel quarantine, TK. Uh, and of course, I'm 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 sensitive to the fact that everyone's um, everyone's experience will differ slightly. Um, but one is that time goes really slowly in hotel quarantine. Look, I haven't found that to be the case. Um, I've been keeping relatively busy. I'm fortunate enough to have a, a plethora of work to be to be chewing through, and I work from home anyway usually. So, you know, chewing away on the laptop is fine. Brought a stack of books. I've been working out. I won't I won't flaunt it. I won't go on about it. I won't be posting photos and videos of my workouts. But I've been working out. Um, and I've enjoyed, you know, watching the odd show. So thus far on day, admittedly only day three of a 14-day process, um, all's, all's well. Another myth, TK, is... What, 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 show have you been, what shows have you been watching now? Well, I... Friends of the show would know that I am a particular fan of three... I don't watch a lot of cartoons, but I do like three adult sitcom cartoons that I will say before you say in order, it'd go Bojack, Archer, Rick and Morty. Yeah, yeah, I, I like those three shows: Bojack Horseman, Archer, and Rick and Morty. Take is is he's bang on the dollar. Um, having said that, um, Bojack Horseman by far my favourite of the three of them. That's the one I'll revisit mostly, and that's the one I've seen every episode of. Despite the fact that I do love Archer as a show, I've never watched every episode of Archer um, because it's ongoing. Season eleven just came out, and I absolutely loved the first, say, four seasons. And then after that, it wasn't that it got bad. It just started to get really um, concept-driven and, like, a little bit meta. And, like, there's, not to give too many spoilers away, but there's, like, full seasons where everything plays out inside Archer's coma, for example. Like, so... God. It, yeah, it started to get, like, really kind of um, hyper-concept-driven. And so there's, like, full seasons, like season nine, ten. I just haven't watched at all. So I've watched, like, a few episodes of season ten. Um, they're only 20 minutes, and I just I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't exactly been hooked, but they're good to sit down and watch. And the other thing, TK, is I've just been lapping up um, Grand Final Week in all its glory. Plenty of content out there to enjoy. And um, mm-hmm. so I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Watch the Dally M's on Monday night, which we will get to in a minute for we one will. particular outrageous reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to those those myths, TK, of hotel quarantine, one in particular is that the food is horrendous. And again, I, I'm sure the food changes from place to place. Another I've heard is that the food is fantastic. I don't think either is true. Um, I think that the food, if I could describe it to you, TK, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, like, like solid quality airline international flight food so you're not flying you're not oh, flying philippine good. air or china or south, southern china you're flying emirates right oh that's look yeah i mean but, but I don't get, don't, don't get any that. well don't get any more excited about it than it is because emirates food whilst better than say southern china or china southern or whatever it is is still not like you'd pick any takeaway that you have on a saturday night over eating that well that's um, the thing that, that's the thing with airplane food You'd prefer to eat home-cooked food, you'd prefer to eat fast food, and you'd prefer to eat, like, Michelin star quality food over that food. But it's still not terrible, you know what I mean? No, and that's exactly the way I would describe this, is it's like, it's not terrible at all. One thing that places tend to do, which I wouldn't say they're doing here, which they're a bit cheeky about, and, and, and planes do it a little bit, 
is they kind of give you like a portion of food that's like nice and it's like, you know, it might be like a bit of fish and some nice creamed spinach or something, for example, you know, and you're like, oh, this is mm. really good, and a bit of rice or something. And then they'll kind of pad the meal outside and inside with kind of cheap starches. Like you'll get two bread rolls mm. and three mm-hmm. crackers, oh, yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. I don't need this. But because oh. you gave it to me, I'm going to eat it to yeah, yeah, yeah. fill up. Because personally, I'd prefer two servings of the hot thing that your main thing you actually gave us. Like that would probably get me. I'm not satisfied having eaten that one thing. So I do need yeah. to kind of have the crackers and cheese and the fucking jam on scone and shit like that. But at the same time, it's like, this tastes like this tastes like low quality padding. Yes, you know? well, and I, I can I, feel myself getting you, chubby in the chair. Immediately when you said low quality padding, I I imagine the little bread roll you get on flights. That's always quite cold, like a cold bread roll. Yes, a little cold bread roll, and and it's 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 not that bread has a specific. Has is, is a very flavoursome food generally, but I feel like it's always a very bland bread roll. It's very cold and a little bit stony, a little bit hard. Well, I think um, the lack of flavour... because it's been refrigerated. Exactly. May speak to the mm. fact that bread's ideal temperature is probably room to warm. Can I say mm. that? Um, so, yeah, look, the food is kind of, is kind of in that ilk. Um, and I'd say it fluctuates in quality a little bit from meal to meal. Lunch, I tend to find to be the most disappointing meal of the day. Um, mm-hmm. I have I have generally found that. Although yesterday was a thick salmon steak. Like not one of those salmon steaks. Not a piece of salmon that you'd get in the, the four pack at Woolies, listeners. Mm-hmm. The kind of salmon steak that you'd maybe get at a restaurant where it's twice the thickness of that. It was nice. Wow. It was well seasoned. It was on a bed of cream spinach and uh, coriander, I believe. And it was it was nice. I was like, this is a, mm. this is tasty one thing they do with each meal which i really appreciate is that they is that they give you a dessert but that the dessert is not just some like the dessert's not some just kind of cheap um you know it's not a cup pudding it's not yeah it's nice like it's either a flavored mousse like a chocolate or a caramel mousse it's been the last couple days or it's like a Yesterday's lunch was a vegan chocolate cake, and I was like, mm, "Vegan chocolate, like just use real chocolate." But mate, let me tell you, it was good. It was a mud cake, and it was like rich. Um, and then for and then for dessert last night, I think we had a Swiss roll, which was like you know like a jo- like a strawberries and cream type of thing with a real strawberry. It was good again. Um, we had a banging chicken biryani for dinner. Um, I, I might actually just read you some of the menus so that you can kind of get up to speed with it, TK. I've kept mm-hmm. the, the menus from days one to three. Um, and why don't you just ask me for one for a particular day and a particular meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner on either days one, two, or three? So, so I'm asking you what you had that day on that meal. Yeah, on day what one, you have, two, or three. What did you have for lunch on day one? Yeah, look, lunch on day one, TK, I'm glad you asked, was... Probably the most disappointing meal so far. It was beef rissoles with an onion gravy, carrot and broccolini. Um, there was the, the onion gravy I found to be a little bit thin and a little bit um, vapid. I found the beef rissoles dry, um, overcooked and a little bit flavourless. Um, it also came with a mango panna cotta, which I've got to say, not as you know, I'm a savoury man, but that was the highlight of the meal purely by virtue of the fact that the, the beef rissoles were so disappointing. Um, the carrot, very sort of 
mums thrown together Wednesday night dinner. It's 2006, you know, sliced and boiled carrots with no seasoning. Mm. So that wasn't a great meal. If I could select a couple of my favourites thus far, um, this morning we had an up and go vanilla with Ooh, nice. fruit, I'm a, fan. a yogurt. And banana bread, so quite a bit to, to to get you going. Into the main meal, which was a carrot, zucchini, and mushroom slice, like a savoury slice, kind of like a pie almost. Very mm. much a bakery good. Um, and then you had tin spaghetti and tomato sauce on the side. Not not great. I mean, it is what it is. It's tin spaghetti with tomato sauce on the side, a herbed tomato, and a big thick lamb chipolata. The lamb chipolata was good. Good fat content. Um, good amount of spice. I want to say smoked paprika, um, and I I thoroughly enjoyed that meal. Like thoroughly. In fact, I even I'm a big eater, as you know. But I had the restraint to break it up a little bit by leaving the up and go on the banana bread for a morning tea, which I had um, about a half an hour ago with a cup of tea, um, and that was that was sensational. I'm thoroughly looking forward to lunch today, which is a coming up in actually two minutes. It should be dropped off. It's a North African flavored lamb kofta with lentil veg pilaf drizzled with garlic yogurt sauce. Uh, Mm. And we've got a crostoli for, um, for lunch dessert, if you will, TK. So yeah, look all around the food's been good. Um, last night's dinner was probably my favorite so far. We had, we started with a pumpkin soup. Um, Oh no, sorry. That's, that's that's the wrong day. What am I doing? We started with a bean salad with chickpeas, capsicum, tomato, and spring onion into, and this is my favorite thing that I've had so far in hotel quarantine. It was a chicken biryani with raita. And the chicken Ooh, biryani, yes. you opened it up and went, eh, not much to do in there. For, for anyone listening, biryani is a curry where they cook the rice, rice in with the curry. Like it's kind of all mixed together. Um, and it's kind of like a tomato-y sort of sauce. I opened it up and I went, eh, it doesn't look like as much here because it was just rice on top. TK, let me tell you, my friend, once he got into that rice, there was like six to eight nice big chunks of juicy chicken thigh in 68. the sauce. Six to eight. Um, uh, six and to the eight. And the raita was restaurant quality. That's all I can say for the raita. Um, really, really good. Really good. Um, absolutely loved it. And a good portion size too, which you don't often get in hot hotel food. Because um, remember, mm. we're working in the plain food space. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's some of the food I've been I've been munching down on TK in, in hotel. Fantastic. Pine. Fantastic. Now, you're, you're, um, I mean, we both are fairly, well, we're not picky eaters. We're not picky eaters. Oh, no. Whereas Harry Menenti, who's also in hotel quarantine at the moment, uh, he is, he has more of a refined palate. Okay. And, uh, I've been seeing some uh, uh, some photos from him of what he's been eating, and he had a buttered chicken last night, which he just looked all right. Um, but he said, I'd be eating everything that he's getting, but he said half the time he doesn't even eat what he's given because, you know, he's he's, he's, he's a picky he's a picky eater. See, um, I am the kind of person, TK, who if you gave me the least appetizing thing, yeah. if I'm hungry, I'll eat, eat it twofold. It. Yeah. I'll eat it and I'll ask for a second portion. Yeah, I just... Sucks. Yeah, look, my need to eat, and I think your audio quality is going to be funny there, mate. You might want to have a look at that. My need to eat um, supersedes very much so my need to enjoy my food mm-hmm. um, because by eating, I enjoy myself. So, yeah, even in the beef rissole situation, I probably would have had seconds had you provided it, despite the fact that right. the meal was pretty average. So I can't empathize with Harry in that in that instance, um, although I do respect his point of difference, TK, because we're a diverse no, podcast. Yeah. Of course. Of course. And uh, 
And uh, overall, are you enjoying hotel quarantine? I am because I've got plenty of things to be doing. And to be honest with you, when you've been living in lockdown, living in hotel quarantine is kind of like living in lockdown with your own bathroom. Hmm. Uh, I'm more or less doing the same things, watching the same shows, reading, not the same books, obviously, but reading the kind of books that I would read at home, doing the same kind of work on the same computer and iPad and whatever. Um, it's it's Life is more or less as normal. I miss being able to go for a run or a walk. Um, mm-hmm. That's a that's a little bit, um, you know, that's probably the only thing, and the human interaction, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, TK, so good. So far, so good. I want to I wanna talk about TK um, just very briefly. The Dallium Awards, which went by on Monday night, for any of our um, sort of Victorian, South Australian, Western Australian listeners, it's it's yeah, it's the equivalent of the Brownlow Medal. Um, and I want to talk mainly TK about something that I haven't seen anywhere near enough on social media doing the rounds, and it was the spiel of one Peter Valandis when announcing the final standings that would es- essentially dictate who won the Dallium, which was of course Tom Travojevic of the Manly. Kafarinka Seagulls, and I, I've got to say, seldom do I laugh out loud, but I absolutely, I piss myself when yeah, Peter Valandis got up to announce the final, the final standings, and we might actually just, we might actually just play a little bit of the audio now, TK. I'll just play mm-hmm. that here. Thank you, Jess. Round twenty-four, Panthers thirty defeat West Tigers sixteen. One vote, Brian To'o. Two votes, Steph, Stefano Utukamanu. Three votes, Viliami Kikau. Sea Eagles 36 defeat Bulldogs 18. One vote, Oshay Olai. Two votes, Hamoli Alakawatu. Three votes, Tom Trebojevic. Now, in that TK... Obviously, the thing that we're all talking about is how he managed to go... He managed to get Josh Alloyer pronounced as Oshay Ole, which has since kind of... Which has sort of catalyzed a a spread of meme-like behavior on social media, including one particularly funny gentleman changing Josh Alloyer's Wikipedia details to Oshay Ole with all of his things saying... Oshay was born in yada, 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 which was just ridiculous. Uh, just how, how confidently Philandy said it. Well, that's it right. Uh, it wasn't even the... It wasn't Oshay Ole, it was Oshay Ole. <laughs> but he also didn't just get that wrong. It, I think he got Brian Toto wrong because he goes in with a hard O. He goes in with Brian Toe. And he called Tom Travojevic Tom Trebojevic. Um, he stumbled over Hamole Olakawatu. Look, yeah. he had some problems. Olakawatu, yeah. Do you reckon he watches the game? Well, I don't. I, I think he does. I think it, p- perhaps dictation, just not his strong suit. What are your thoughts on his get-up, TK, and how he was dressed? It, with was, the sort of... it, was, it was a bit overkill, but <laughs> I liked it. Cause it kind of made him look a bit like a like a vampire or something. Like He had, for anyone who didn't see, he had like a bright blue, electric blue suit on. With like a big bow tie, and, and also he had like his thick eyes... lapels on the on the yeah. suit. Like it yeah, almost looked like one of those open. sort of cheap Lowe's suits you get in like full combo. Yeah, yeah it did. It did. Very strange. 
Look, he's a strange man. It was probably made more ridiculous by the fact that Fox's music, like Fox's coverage in general of everything, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the for the for the content, the service, and everything they provide. It's been good this season, but they are so over dramatic in everything that they oh, do. They are, and when you take, you know, I mean, you've only got to take Matt Nables of, you know, master of cringe doing his ridiculous voiceovers comparing Daily Cherry Evans to Tom Brady and and Michael Jordan in the clutch. Yeah. You've only got to take those ridiculous voiceovers and the just the just the way they present everything with such kind of lack of self-awareness i suppose it's just so over the top and so dramatic and so hyperbolic but when you couple which is fine i mean have conviction that's fine but when you couple that with the absurdity of mistakes and not just mistakes but pronouncing the name josh as in short for joshua as in one of the most popular names in the english language for male when you pronounce josh as oshay as if there's some kind of Super Mario's character and you do it with such confidence and you're wearing an electric blue blazer with thick black vampire-like triangular lapels, you are going to invite um, mockery. You are going to invite jest-like criticism. And I can't I can't feel as if that isn't warranted in this instance. Um, Oshay Peter Valandis, Oshay Ole. How do you get it so wrong? Oh, I don't know. How? How? I don't know. It, it was one of those things that I kept watching it. I just kept watching it over and over and over and over again. I couldn't stop watching it. And if Brian Toe almost made me laugh as much as Oshay yeah. Ole. It was so ridiculous. And the, yeah. the dramatic background music, the kind of minor <laughs> that, that they had in Wait, the background. Can I ask, did you not find it really weird that they were announcing it in like a little in like a little Fox Studios, like a Fox studio room, but they were all sitting there in a ballroom. Yeah, I, I like think why part of all of this... announcer up the front? Yeah, well, I think, I look, I think a combination that. of things. Part of this was about COVID and about where they could hold things, like who could be where and who was in bubbles. And I know Fox Studios is based in Sydney and they had it at the Wharves in Brisbane. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is that I think Fox... I think Fox, it's a little bit of a little man syndrome thing where they don't have the right to the grand final. Correct me if I'm wrong there, mm. but they're not they're not allowed to play the grand final. No, that's an not. exclusive. Just not. Yeah, and that, and that's I think that might even be less of a licensing agreement and more of a. I think that's a legal. Um, look that up yourself. Has to be free to wear. That yeah. grand finals in Australia have to be free to wear. Um, that ultimate games do. Um, but I I also think. I think that Fox having the Dally M, that's kind of their thing, um, which is obviously not as good as having exclusive rights to the grand final. Um, but I think they're kind of a trying to make, to A, milk it for all the revenue they can, and B, kind of make it a bigger thing than it is and innovate and have the, use the studio, the panel of experts and use, and then you cut to this and then you get, but I did feel like it was a bit, bit disjointed. I also feel like, and this this might be me being completely out of touch and I'm not going to pass a specific judgment. Let me know in the comments what you think. But, and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts, Decker. I don't know that the Dallium pageantry and seriousness of it all is working at the moment in its current format. The black, you know, ballroom, the Brandy Alexander giving his, you know, and Mick Ennis giving his, oh, Bonnie, I thought they were sensate, doing their really dramatic sort of thing with the music and the tuxedos and shit. 
I don't know if it works when the players don't have the same level of respect for it all in the sense that when you cut to like, like, and this is not me just having a whinge, well, maybe. I feel like like the Penrith boys, I get that they're kind of funny and everything and everyone everyone likes the sort of, you know, the, the, the banter they bring to it all. But every time they cut to Penrith doing an interview, they're like taking the piss and they're yeah. like trying to put, it's like, it's honestly like they're 14 year olds at like a school assembly and they're trying to put yeah. their mate off who's doing his like speech or something. And it's like, that's funny when you're in your eight, but it's a bit, I don't know, I could be completely out of touch here and be the old man screaming at the mountain. But I was kind of like, it's a bit lame. Like they're, they're trying to do something, Fox and the NRL are trying to do something really serious here perhaps a little bit too serious, but every time that like a player is trying to get interviewed as part of the coverage and part of the product they're selling to the fans, the players are just laughing and like kind of t- like in the background, like taking the piss out of it. And like, but it's almost like they're playing the penis game in the background and trying to put, put them but, off. And it's just, I don't well, know what you think of that. Thing. I'm with you in the fact that it's childish and it was a bit kind of like, Oh, come on. Like just, just sit this, just, just, you know, sit there, sit tight and just, you know, Play, play the role, you know. Like, you don't have to pull focus all the time. Exactly, exactly. Um, but having said that, I did think every time they kept cutting to players and asking them the same questions over and over again, I'm like, you know what they're going to say. You could predict what they're going to say on a piece of paper. All they're asking them is stuff like, are you proud of how you played the season? Are you proud of the, you know, do you think this will happen? Or do you think, you know, and I'm like, well, Fair enough that they're taking the piss because it's just dumb. Like, what is I the get point that. of cutting to Jerome Luai and asking him, oh, Jerome, um, uh, pretty proud of how the boys played this season? Are you, are you, are you, you know, you think you might get a few awards? Like, stuff like, it's just stuff like that. It's just like, what is the point of this? Like, I, I completely agree. Like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, and I'm not even pointing at the players being interviewed. More, more the guys in the background who are like, dude, you're nearly 30. Why are you trying to put the guy off being interviewed? More that, but I completely agree with what you're saying. I think I've been thinking about this a little bit. I think that part of the problem with like, like for example, like the the fact the over the over the deluge of content, right, and the just the just the sheer amount of talk shows and podcasts and every every man and their dog starting their own footy podcast, and uh, you know if we have to hear, you know. If we have to hear Brandy Alexander here that Cody Walker is the best ball player since Cliff Lyons, which he is, again, or that Tom Travojevic is, is doing things off the charts we've never seen before, or that, you know, we're kind of just hearing the same things over and over again because they've yeah, got hardly X amount of... There's, they've, got, they've only got so many games to actually comment on. Like a game of football, the currency of a game of football seems to be like stretching thinner and thinner. One mm. game you used to get like 20 minutes of post-coverage talk about. Now it's like you've got fifty different podcasts on six different networks, and it's just like it's stretched. It's stretched thin to the point where it's all just one big echo chamber of everyone saying the same stuff over. That's and over. right, and it's the exact there's reason. There's only so much you can actually say about it. Hundred percent, which is partly why TK, you and I, and Kappa and the other people who come on the podcast, we've kind of steered away from making it like a strict sport podcast anymore because you just kind of get. Not that you get lost in the camouflage. We don't really care if 10 people listen or 1,000 people listen. It's more the fact that it's just like we're bored of talking about. I'm bored of kind of analyzing fucking, you know, analyzing rounds or games or talking about players' well, strengths. It's like there's there's enough. It's you funny. Want, go listen to 360 if you want to hear that. It's funny, isn't it? Because in the time that we've been doing Birdlike from 2018 to now, the, the whole format of content has completely changed like it wasn't like this three years ago like it wasn't 
content coming out of your ears, you know, of um about each game, you know, or hear, you know, Wayne Bennett talk about this for on every different channel, getting asked Absolutely. the same question. And you the know, recycled like, I feel, content. I feel, I feel like it's changed a bit, yeah. At the, someone, um, well, like someone will say something on, you know, Cooper Cronk will say something on a podcast or something, and then that'll get turned into an article, which will get turned into something that they talk about on a on a on a video on a on a on a network show or something for a segment, or and then they get a pass player to comment on the comment, and and then it gets they get take a sound grab of that and they play it on Triple M or the ABC, exactly. and it's just it's you're right, it's an echo chamber of people saying the same shit over and over again, which is why I love um, Michael Pride's insights on about even. Um, yeah, big shout, shout out to them, anyone who doesn't to listen to about even. Yeah, uh, which they've announced just announced will be, com- be becoming a podcast as well. So that's good. Oh, really? Um, cool. Now, speaking about insights that you don't usually see on um, get on other podcasts, here's something that I don't think people talk about enough, and that's uh, jersey history. Now, before we get into that, TK, I, I, you made a comment to me just before we got on air about sure. I asked you where you thought the grand final would be won and lost. And I, again, I expected you to could have jumped in the echo chamber and say it was a matter of shutting down Cody outside 50 mm. or it was, you know, limiting Nathan's time through kick, uh, you know, through kick pressure or it was, um, you know, Penrith's kick chase limiting South's back three ability to get out of yardage. And in fact, you turned around and said it's none of those things. Mm. It comes down to cloth. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, talk us through that. Talk us through the significance well, of jerseys. Now, you've mentioned to me in the past, Jack, when I point out, like, one week they'll run on and I go, oh, they're wearing this jersey. They haven't worn that since round 14. And you'll be like, how do you know that? Because you said you don't even notice it when they're wearing different jerseys. But I have a keen eye. Now, I've sent you two images, Jack. If you look, I texted you the jersey history of Penrith and the jersey history of Souths, if you have a look. This is only up till 2017, but it hasn't changed. Jesus, that's, I mean, those those are quite in-depth graphics. Yeah, they are. Now, if we go back to 1908 with Souths, their original jersey was the red and green Cardinal and Myrtle stripes like you would get today. Now, that was So the 08 is 1908, not 2008? 1908. 09 to 44 was slightly different. The same design, but with slightly thinner stripes, again, Someone's gone into a lot of depth here. Now, during the wartime, and this is interesting because this is actually sold out, but the the um, the NRL brought out a wartime heritage jersey thing this year for a lot of different clubs. They brought out a South one, which I think sold out within a week. It's a pretty cool jersey. It's just a full green jersey, like a big kind of rugby thick jersey with a green V on it. With a red V. Sorry, sorry, with a, with a red V on it. Full green jersey with a red V. Like Think like a St. George jersey, but green instead of white. Wow. Um, then 47 to 58, they went back to stripes. 59 to 64, they had kind of more of a filled out um, V. Yeah, 59 to 64 is interesting. I could explain it to the listeners like this. If you were to take a red trapezium, I believe that's the shape, TK. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flip upside it upside down, down so that the shorter side is pointing downward and you make that the the top of the jersey, essentially, where the collar would mm-hmm. be, and then the rest of it is green. That's basically South what I'm actually, looking at. South have worn that exact jersey, Jack, in recent years as a heritage jersey. Do I'm going to be honest with you. I don't love it. Just looking at the looking at the only only looking at the the rectangular version of it here, because this isn't obviously a three dimensional or even a jersey shaped 
thing. This I'm looking at rectangles here. I've just sent it to you. That's the jersey they wore in 2016, I think, as a heritage jersey. 2014. No, they wore it in 2014, the year they won as, a, as their heritage oh, jersey. Oh, actually, yeah. Now that I look remember at it like that, that I don't mind I remember, yeah. they, I remember they wore that jersey. Look up 2014 South Heritage jersey, anyone anyone listening? You'll, you'll see what we mean. It's kind of like... It's kind of like a big V sort of thing, but there's no bottom to the V. So kind of like again, I think you, I think trapezium covers red, it. The bottom's green. Yeah, it's a trapezium. It's a trapezium. Anyway, I digress. We move on to the 60s and 70s, 65 to 79. We're back. We're back to the red and green stripes. And then in the 80s, 81, 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, they had the uh, the famous. Uh, Minty's, Minty's one, you know, with the red stripe in the middle with the white on either side. Yep. And then from 85 to the present, their home jersey has been red and green striped again. So, you know, only for about, I'm going to say, 15 years of their history have they not have a red and green striped jersey. But um, Can I say that of that, Tika, as a parochial South Sydney supporter, I'm a, I'm actually quite a fan of the Minties in 80 to 84. I kind of like that jersey. Um, as an I'm alternate also, strip, obviously. Yeah, as an alternate strip. I'm also quite a fan of Souths being primarily green. I prefer the colour green to the colour red, just personally. Um, uh-huh. I'm, I may be in the minority there, but I love the colour green. So, particularly that kind of dark um, myrtle of South Sydney. So, yeah, big fan. Real big fan. Well, here's another thing I want to I want to just address before we move on to Penrith, which has a more probably a more interesting jersey history. Um, Souths in the time uh, since Russell Crowe took over as the uh, as the owner in 09, um, on oh no, seven maybe. If you if you see their 07, uh, oh no, oh nine is the first year. This is the case. Their home jersey had red and green stripes, but with black on the sides and a black bunny as their um as their home jersey. Now this mm-hmm. is interesting because their actual logo and their traditional home colour is a white rabbit. But for the last twelve years, your home jersey has been a black rabbit. Interesting. And the away jersey has been a white rabbit. What do you what do you I've always I, think associ- I think that's kind of strange. Yeah, well I've always associated South Sydney as being a white rabbit, and I think most fans would be the but same. That's not their home, but that's not their home. It's not in recent years, but I always you know, like our logo is always a white rabbit. Um mm. whether it is on the jersey or not, you know, like that's kind of But but again, I just wanted there. to say it's interesting because they're the only team whose logo changes the colour completely, whether they're home or away. I think that's interesting. Like on the jersey. Mm. Hmm. Anyway, now we move on to Penrith, which has a very... And I think that's because we've got the cultural base to be able to do that, TK. Go on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the jersey history of Penrith. You possibly don't need to go through every single jersey and every single decade the way you did there. You may just want to pick some out, but yeah. Yeah, I will. Okay, so from, from when they were conceived in 67, founded, I should say, in 67, through to 74, through to, really through to 1990... The Pen- Penrith's colours were chocolate brown and white, um, which I liked because it's very different to anything else. Well, actually, it's not. Too I loved it. There are no brown. Manly, really. There are no brown teams in the NRL. Manly, maroon, manly aren't brown. Manly are maroon. Mm, this, yeah, true. This is like a chocolate brown and white. If anyone's seen the the captain's run jersey, the jersey they wear just before the game when they're training, 
That is the their 70 to 71 club. jersey, basically. Yes, that's their 70 to 71 jersey, which is really cool. Like, I it's, reckon if it's that unbelievable. Was their jersey, it's prism bars, but the bars are brown. It's like it's basically prism bars, listeners, but the bars have been shat on. And then the yes, shat yes. or shit, I should say, has been sort of smeared up and down the bars. Like, now, like, I think, like a Collingwood jersey, but with brown bars. 100%. Or, you know, Port, Arling, Port, Port Adelaide's original jersey, but with brown bars. Mm. Now, if you had. If Penrith embraced that, as in we are, look, some of us are a bit rough, perhaps. I'm not making a comment on Western Sydney socioeconomically, but let's just assume that some of them maybe have done a bit of time, as some league players may have done. Um, it, perhaps their fathers maybe did a bit of time. Um, perhaps there weren't adequate toilet facilities. Perhaps they had to shit on the bars for some reason, kind of unknown as to why they couldn't just shit in the corner of the cell. And then they mm. smeared that poo across the bars. Now... I don't know why you wouldn't embrace that TK, the ticker of being bar shitters. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think they should embrace that. Also because I think the chopping and changing of your home jersey doesn't help culture. Now, no. essentially, they moved between those bars and a kind of white V with a brown jersey, kind of like imagine a, a Western Suburbs Magpies jersey, but brown instead of black. Now, the first year they adopted black with the rainbow stripe in the middle and then the white bars underneath, like their current jersey, was 1991. And I believe that's when they won their first premiership, correct? You're, you're, you're absolutely correct, TK. They, they made the final in 1990, uh, I believe, and I believe they got done by Canberra in the GF. Mm-hmm. Um, the following year they were minors and they went on, well... And they changed their jersey. I mean to say they were, they were adults, but they were minor premiers and they went on to... Uh, to win that, to win the comp. Now, do you think the jersey change had something to do with that? TK? It certainly coincided with the with the changing. It may have. Winning. It may have. Now, not in like their their ninety seven ninety nine jersey. We're not even going to talk about because that's horrendous. That was a Super League ARL period jersey. That's just weird. And then here's the thing, right? Between two thousand and twenty sixteen, they kind of chopped between just plain black and black with like a bit of aqua. And, and red in there. And then 17 to now, to the present, they've gone back to the 1991 strip, which I enjoy. But he, but here's a, he's a, he's a little thought for you. Souths have been around since 08. Panthers have been around since 67. Panthers have changed their home jersey almost double the amount that Souths have. What's bizarre, TK, to me? And they've me. been around for 60 years more than Penrith. Well, I just, I look, I look at clubs and I think that culture begins with the very simple, simple things. And one of those simplest things is branding. And when we mm-hmm. think of branding, we usually think of colours. Yeah. Okay. You think of McDonald's is, is the golden arches, right? Um, South Sydney is red and green. Manchester United is red and white. I, I just, I think of branding as being, you know, Apple, everything's chic and, and grey and, uh, you know, and, and silver and... I just think that Penrith, their branding, and I, look, I'm not going to suggest that this is the reason they're going to lose on Sunday, but I, I just look at their lack of identity based on branding and their chopping and changing. For example, we've in recent times seen Penrith become a team that wears a lot of pink. But looking mm. at this chart you've sent me, TK, the listeners may be interested to hear that Penrith didn't wear pink in home and away in home and away games. So not it, it, well, they didn't wear it as an alternative stripe. 
until 2012. Well, it's yeah. never been a part of their home jersey, but it is a part of their away jersey, and it was in 14 to 16. And, now, and I for do... the listeners, if you might be confused, I'm just going to post these two things to my Instagram story, TB Carney, just, just so you can reference them. It feels like um, a shameless plug to get followers. But, yeah, absolutely. And I do also think that, TK, the... Um, yeah, the inability to pick simple colours and to pick and stick. And what's really strange to me is that I know you said before you quite like the kind of teal and black and rainbow thing they've got going on at the moment. I'm not a big fan. I loved the chocolate brown and white. Um, mm. uh, and I have no issue with them being pink. But God damn it, you've been here since 67. If you were going to be pink, you had to pick that at the start. By having pink as this sort of alternate colour that we're not even sure is one of your colours... I sort of feel like you're taking pink off the table for a possible expansion club to come in. You know, another club might come in and be, they might be pink and black, and that's their thing. So I do think Penrith, I'm not saying they need to be relegated. Um, I'm not saying that on the eve of grand final, but I, I am saying that they need to have a serious think about where they're going as a club when they can't decide what their jersey colour is and they can't sort of pick and stick, TK. 100% agree, because because I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of pride uh, associated with wearing the jersey of a first grade team, you know what I mean? Like, like you finally. It's 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 hard for me to describe what I mean by that. But but do you know do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's I do. There's, there's an importance placed on wearing the jersey, like a famous jersey of a club. Like mm. they they talk about having pride in the jersey when you run onto the ground. Yeah, and I I think I think you're right. Perhaps the pink thing. And the pride in Jersey, they've they've been, they've kind of confused themselves with the rise of pride, as in gay and lesbian pride, over the last couple of years. And they believe that, but that there is some sort of intangible connection between wearing, you know, sort of bright effeminate colours and having pride in your team. Perhaps Penrith, uh, the marketing team, they don't quite understand that they are different, um, and you can have pride in things that aren't LGBTQIA plus. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I know the acronym Sexual off the top of my head. Related. Well, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so, yeah, but look, TK, thank you for that. Um, I don't know where that leaves us in terms of grand final tips, but I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that at some point. Um, we will. It's nice, now, to hear, it's nice to hear that you're so interested in, in jerseys. And it's even nicer to hear, can I say, TK, that the great Russell Crowe has, has understood the importance of embracing culture on the eve of grant of the of, of, of the the ultimate game of this of the series mm-hmm. as the listeners would know the South Sydney Football Club whenever they play a grand final which if you look at it on a percentage of their history is pretty pretty darn regular they they love to ring a bell TK um, it's kind of like a it's kind of a call to it's kind of a call to to arms you might say um, as as the players sort of come out, and so the bell um, the bell this time around is going to be rung by one Isaac Luke. Isaac Luke. I believe Luke it's had, called the I believe it's called the Foundation Bell. Do, do you have some sort of article there, TK? You might. Yeah, it, it says here Russell Crowe calls on former star Isaac Luke to ring iconic Foundation Bell before Panthers and Rabbitohs Grand Final. Now, it says here that. He said to him, "You're still the Prince of Redfern to us," um, and and it, it, it also says that the reason he's chosen Isaac Luke is because he wasn't allowed to play the 2014 Grand Final because of because he dumped uh, 
he dumped uh, where's he got now? Um, it was a lifting was tackle there. on Sonny yeah. Bill Williams. So you know, I mean, a bit of background. You, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to dig into it too much because again, it's been spoken about a bit this week, being given that Souths are in the grand final for the first time since then. But yeah, in the preliminary final at ANZ Stadium, Isaac Luke dumped um, Sonny Bill Williams on his head. It was a lifting tackle. It was something that nowadays, Seca, I don't know if you realise this, but it would have only incurred a fine. So I've read, mm. um, and it was it was not too dissimilar to the tackle that Nathan Cleary performed the other night, which again I don't think should have been he should have been suspended for. But yeah, it was so disappointing for Isaac Luke, who was a a quintessential, a quintessential part of the South Sydney Renaissance um, through that sort of 07 to 2015-16 period, and he. Um, he was replaced in the grand final by Apisai Coruscant, who's now obviously playing for Penrith. But um, it's it's a nice story, and it's nice to hear that um, it's nice to hear that South Sydney are going to make the grand final all about them, um, because it is all about them. They're the grand old <laughs> club, um, they're the pride of the league, and and yeah, he'll be Isaac Luke will be ringing the bell when the boys run out on uh, on Sunday evening, TK. Well, I was just perusing Twitter, Jack, and then this person, one, one person. Um, shared the link about Isaac Luke ringing the bell and said, please, Panthers fans, dr- uh, drown this garbage out. Fuck off, basically. Like, a lot of people, and I can understand this, if you're not a, if you're not a Rabbitohs fan and all you hear when it gets to grand final, you know, when, when it comes to a grand final like this, the Souths are in, that they're talking about, oh, the pride of the league and how old they are and how they have the most supporters and the most premierships and all this rich history, you'd be like, oh, fuck off. Like, you know, always talking about how you're better than everyone else type of thing. So I do empathise with that person. Look, I, I, can empathize, I can empathise with losers, TK. I can understand why, you know, the petty among us try to drag the mighty down. Um, mm-hmm. And I would just, I would just, I would say to them, it's unlikely that you're your team founded in the last 10, 20 years, basically yesterday, would actually be around if it wasn't for South Sydney and everything they've done for uh, rugby league in Australia. But yeah, look, I won't, I won't hark on that too much. Um, but um, yeah, we'll be ringing yeah. the bell on, on Sunday and I look forward to hearing it ring all over town. Now, for those people who don't know, uh, the current federal opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, is a diehard Souths fan and he's been posting a lot about it in the last few days about how Souths are his big, um, something that's been massive in his life and how one of the best memories in his entire life was going to the 1971 grand final with his mum and he's just done an interview with the NRL this morning and all he's, he's been big on it. He's been posting about Souths daily, basically, for the last few days. And um, and I've gone through the comment sections, Jack, and I screenshotted a few interesting things. Now, here's a fun fact for the viewers uh, for the listeners, you might not know, and I did, I certainly didn't know this until this person said this. They said, how about the Newtown Jets? I don't know why this is relevant, but this is when Albo posted about South. Someone commented, how about the Newtown Jets? We need a bit of recognition for them, the original rugby league club and the original rivals of South. And I looked it up. The Newtown Jets were the first to be founded. South were the second to be founded. Now, obviously, that doesn't get acknowledged today because South are now the oldest. But Souths, in fact, weren't the oldest. They were the second to be yeah, founded see, about a week no, after. No, but the there is conjecture Jets, about this, TK, because there's a big collegiate of old of historians of the game who claim that Glebe was actually the first to be founded officially, and that some really? of that Newtown rhetoric is misinformation. Yes, if you if you 
I wouldn't just go off one Wikipedia um, yeah, suggestion because I have read, I have read quite a few a few historians of the game who believe that Glebe, uh, sort of affectionately known as the the Dirty Reds, were the were the uh, the original uh, inaugural club. And I don't. Again, who the how would we know? I mean, this is so long ago. Well, oh, they've the all got dates. Oh, on. Jack. Actually, no, you're right. Sorry, Glebe. Founded 9th of January 1908. Jets founded 14th of January 1908. Well, there you so, go. Look, well, that's definitive. Proof, listen, I listen. Suppose. It's it's South Sydney 17th of January. Look, we're talking about a week. It's an it's an administration thing. They were all founded at yeah. the exact same time. It's when they were just signed. One, it. yeah. It's when one got its paperwork in. Um, yeah. But yeah, look. Let's give Glebe the plaudits. They played in four grand finals. Do your own research. But they played mm. in four grand finals and they didn't win any. So. Um, same yeah. as the Newtown Rebels, they didn't. They were in the first competition, but anyway, mm-hmm. there you go. Moving That's on, some interesting, Moving interesting, on. interesting stuff. Okay, GF coming can, up can on. I, uh, oh, go on. Can I? Can I just before before? Can I just point out some of the ridiculous comments I found in the in Anthony Albanese's comment section? Now there are a few people who were a bit fed up with the opposition leader posting about Souths. Now I've seen a few people post this, which doesn't seem relevant. All right, it doesn't seem like a point a, a point to be making. But this woman. Is very upset, and she has said, in all caps, "Not once have you mentioned the Wallabies." Dot dot dot. Been playing the last three weeks, been winning, and then obviously you have, in all caps, blinkers on, and then a screenshot of the Wallabies. Um, so someone else has commented about the Wallabies as well, saying, "Pity you ignore our national team." Very un-Australian, within a photo of the Wallabies. And then, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27 angry face emojis. Can I just reply who, to these people saying, who gives a no fuck one gives about a fuck about rugby? No, yeah. nobody, nobody in this country... Other than a very small frat collegiate at Sydney University, and I'm sorry to disappoint those people who may actually listen to the show, nobody gives a fuck about rugby union. And surely, surely, with all your education, with all your silver spoon feeding, surely you have enough self-awareness to at least understand that and to go, I love it, I think it's a bit unfair that we don't get recognition. But I also have enough self-awareness to realise that nobody gives a fuck to about realize rugby union. To realise why we don't have recognition. Yeah, yeah like obviously there's a there's a load of social structures that are that are in place, and they're the reasons why people can't quite get their head around rugby union. Aside from the fact that the rules have gotten so technical and the game's gotten so over officiated, but aside from all of that, which we're not going to get into, like how can you hold it against anyone that they don't care that Australia that the Wallabies? for once didn't fall over against South Africa and Argentina. Who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, I know. It, it, and if you, if you care about that, go for gold, but you can't have a go at anyone else for not caring about the Wallabies. I'm sorry. Exactly. exactly. Like it's just, it's madness. It's I, I madness. just find it so incredibly dumb that someone would post about the team that they support, that they're passionate about. And people go, why didn't you say something about the Wallabies? Why are you talking about sounds? And also trying to... Because are in a grand final and he goes for Souths. What, also like, make, what? making out like there's some sort of, um, there's some sort of um, patriotic element to it, like our national team. First of all, you're implying that they're the same sport. Yeah, they're exactly. Completely different sports. Um, and secondly, like there's nothing unpatriotic about not liking rugby union. Like or yeah. not, and and again, I I like rugby union. There's nothing, but I'm saying there's nothing unpatriotic about 
not about not pretending to follow it as closely as you and you know you and Lucius at the golf club follow it because guess what you're out of touch if you think that everyone else does exactly exactly anyway look we could do a whole podcast ranting about everything that's wrong with union and the, the three or four people that support it but like we could yeah. but we're not going to let's not do that let's not um dampen what is a wonderful occasion tk uh and that is the 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 rugby league grand final take the nrl grand final we're not going to get into into detail about it though we've only got a couple minutes left of the show can i get a tip off your tk can i get a uh, a score and a man of the match fire okay this this was this to me is very very difficult to pick based on how these two teams have fared against each other this year because we had a penrith thumping and then we had a close game that penrith won and then we had a close game that souths won most recently, so I really, really don't know. So I will I, say that I'm, you don't gonna, have to I'm, feel don't feel you have to pick Souths for for me. Just pick who you think is genuinely going to win. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna give you two options. No, no I'm not going to do that because that's hedging. Uh, I'm going to say Souths sixteen twelve. Man of the match, Cody Walker. All right, I'm going to go... <clears throat> I'm going to go... Souths, 56-10. Man of the match, Cody Walker. Okay. A boil over. No, uh, I'm going to go Souths... Um, I'm going to go Souths, 19-18. Man of the match, Cody Walker. 1918. There you go. That's my Clive winner. If it was nineteen eighteen, they'd give the they'd give the the Clive to whoever kicked it. Presumably Adam Reynolds. He's not going to kick it, mate. That dodgy leg, Cody. will have to step up and snap one, or Blake Taff will snap one from the back. How's that? Yeah, so, so what's doing there? So he he's looking stodgy at training, apparently. Well, no, he's not looking stodgy. He's not training. He 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 may do captain's run today, but I I doubt it. He's just so going to literally. Fuck? Is he not? Is he not going to play? Is Benji going to play seven? What are you talking about? Of course he's going to play. He's fine. He, he's got nine days recovery. He's got an, abduct, an abductor strain. He's just They're just going to nurse it, and they're going to fucking pat him up and give him every you know drug under the sun that he's allowed to take, and he's going to come out, and he'll be fine. He'll, he'll play. Right. Of course he'll play. It's a grand final, mate. Yeah. It's his last game. Oh, shit, yeah. Look, Benji's, oh, how about- Benji's there for sentiment, and he'll come on and play 15 minutes. Like, yeah. Well, but, but how about the fact that you said this, You've been saying this for a few weeks, but when Benji came out a few days ago and said everyone's retiring me except for me, he's basically saying he probably might he might very well want to play on next year. But everyone's talking about him retiring. I and he's more, out and said, my point was more that at no point in this entire year has Benji Marshall said that he was retiring at the end of the season. I think that particularly if South to win the game, which they obviously may not, then he will retire. If Souths don't win, I think he probably still will retire. But the point is that he hasn't said it at any point yet. And everyone's going, it's mm. Benji's last game. It's like, not officially it's not. Um, but, but also, anyway. why would it be his last game if it wasn't, you know, his last game last year? Like, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Right. Look, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. I think he had indicated that he was only going to go one more um, if we were to win the comp. And he, but he only, you know, he said that 12 months ago. We don't know now. So, yeah. Um, Grand final Sunday. We may do another show between now and then. We may well do. I'm in hotel quarantine. What, what are you going to do about yeah. it? Um, but yeah, as always, guys, if you enjoy the podcast, 
Be sure to subscribe and like. It does help us in the uh, in the algorithm of podcasts. Uh, so please help us out with a with a like and subscribe or whatever it is on uh, Spotify review, Spotify iTunes, um, Amazon Audible, all that good stuff. Uh, until then, TK. Hope you have a good week, my friend. And uh, thanks for stopping by. Gamble responsibly. Sure. Tata. I am now gonna make like a banana and split. <laughs> <laughs> he got it.